Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Walt quoted that verse in Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 18, that we should not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And I have a funny story about that verse. I was called for jury duty and brought into the juror's box. And the trial was a drunk driving trial. And so they ask you profession all the time. I don't know if you've ever been in that spot, but they ask you what your profession is. So I said, I'm a pastor at Christ Community Church. And they said, okay, well, do you have a problem with drinking? And I said, you know what? I don't have a problem with drinking per se, but the Bible does say that we shouldn't be drunk with wine and we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and believe it or not, I was shown the door real fast. <laughs> so point being, if you're ever trying to get out of jury duty, maybe you might want to try quoting some Bible, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put yourself in their shoes just for a moment. And imagine the emotional roller coaster that it would have been for them to walk with Jesus for those three years. It began with an invitation. And he looks at these young men who have already been excused from rabbi school. And he says to them, I want you to come and follow me. And I'm going to teach you what it looks like to walk with God and to serve God and to worship God. And they repent spawned that invitation, and they followed Jesus. Imagine what they would have seen, or you know what they would have seen if you read the Gospels. People being healed, demonic people being set free, right? The blind see, the mute speak, the deaf hear, the lame leap, the dead raised. Jesus did all of these things, and they were eyewitnesses to this. And so imagine the joy and the anticipation when they go into Jerusalem for the first time, and they're thinking in their minds, could it be, is this the time when Jesus the Messiah will restore the kingdom? Is this the end of the age? Is this that moment we've been studying about all of our life? Is this the crescendo? Is this the culmination of all of history in this moment? Jesus, is this the time that you will restore your kingdom? And Jesus looks them in the eyes and he says, it's not for you to know the appointed times that the Father has under his authority. But I'm telling you, you need to be ready and you need to be waiting because it's coming. Now imagine being in that place, and now you're coming into Passion Week, and, and Jesus is about to be crucified, and the disciples all flee. The scripture says that the shepherd is stricken, and the sheep scatter. They all go their separate directions into different areas, and they're watching Jesus suffer from afar. They're watching him being beaten. They're watching him being flogged. They're watching his beard being plucked, and they're not even courageous enough to come in and to be associated with him. And so again, imagine the low that that must have been. And then to see Jesus physically hanging upon a cross, suffering and giving his last breath and laying down his life for the sins of the world and the earth shakes and the sun is darkened and the veil in the temple is rent in two and just rocks are split. And imagine what that must have been like. They must have been crushed. We thought you were going to restore the kingdom, but you died. 
Imagine what it would have been like approaching that tomb and knowing that that stone was going to be there and feeling that just the hopelessness in the entire situation. But on the third day, as they approach the tomb, the stone is rolled away. There's no one inside. It's completely empty. Jesus has risen just as he said he would. And imagine how that must have just spiked their joy. That emotional roller coaster that they're going through. The joy. Jesus did what he said he would do. We can trust him again. This is maybe the time he's going to restore the kingdom. And the scripture says that Jesus is in their presence for 40 days. And that he ate with them. And that he dined with them. And that he had fellowship with them. And he continued to teach them. And on the 40th day, he ascended into the presence of the Father. But he said this. During that time, just wait. I'm going to send you a promise. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you some power like you've never known before. But you have to be patient, and you've got to be ready, and you've got to wait for it. And so in Acts chapter 2, we see that coming to pass. That's what happens literally on the day of Pentecost. Jesus sends the Spirit. And so what we're going to do first is we're going to look at the celebration of Pentecost. The celebration of Pentecost, the word literally means 50. On the 50th day from the Feast of First Fruits, the Jews would celebrate Pentecost. It would be an amazing time where the, all of the men within 20 mile radius would flock to the city. They would come to Jerusalem. They would celebrate there in Jerusalem together and they would bring with them the first fruits of their harvest in the form of two loaves of bread and they would wave them before the Lord. Every single man bringing two loaves of bread, waving them before the Lord, it just giving and offering up the fruits of their harvest. Pentecost is wrapping up the barley harvest, and it's just beginning the wheat harvest. And so they would bring these loaves. They would be mixed with leaven, full loaves, not unleavened bread, but full loaves. And they would wave them before God and shout and acknowledge to God, everything that I have has come from you. And so first off, I want you to see this, that the harvest is dedicated during Pentecost. The harvest is dedicated during Pentecost. They were bringing the fruit of their land, the harvest, and they were saying, God, everything I have comes from you. And because I know everything I have comes from you, I know that I can trust you with my needs of tomorrow. And so they would bring the very first fruits, the best fruits of their harvest, and they would offer those in worship and adoration to God. It's what, in essence, we do when we bring our tithes before the Lord. We're acknowledging to God, everything that I have comes from you. Everything I own is a result of your favor. Everything that I've ever earned, every dollar in my bank account, every asset that I own, it's all because of your grace and your goodness and your kindness in my life. And so first and foremost, they acknowledge that everything I have and own is from you. But secondly, they're saying, I trust you for tomorrow's needs as well. And in so doing, I'm giving to you this offering of my first fruits. Before even any other is harvested, I'm giving you the first and the best because I trust that you're a good father and that you're going to provide for my needs. Are you following me? 
Listen to what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions. The word means glorify God or give glory to God with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all of your increase, so that your barns may be filled. The word means to suffer no lack. It means to be full and content and happy, so that your house may be content and happy. Give to God your first fruits. And it goes on. It says, they will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. The word overflow literally means to burst forth. So God's word says that we should honor him with our first fruits, just like in Pentecost, we bring to him the first of our harvest so that we suffer no lack, so that our plate is full, so that we're content and at peace and happy, and so that our lives will overflow with the wine of the Spirit. This is what God's word says. This is what happened at Pentecost. They would offer this up freely to God. And I understand here when we, we say this, this isn't a guilt trip by the church saying you need to give to the church. What we're saying is you need to learn generosity in your life. And you need to learn to trust God with what you have in your life. I could care less if you gave it to me. The issue is do your things own you or do you own your things? Are you so attached to your worldly goods that the thought of parting with those brings you pain or agony because that's not the place you should be. God says, you need to trust me with your first fruits, your best fruits. You offer those to me and you'll see, I'm gonna bless you with abundance and your life will overflow. That's what Pentecost was about. They were celebrating the God who provided for their needs. First point. Second point, though, I want you to see is that it, in Pentecost, the law was being commemorated. Remember I said they would wave two loaves of bread in the air. Those two loaves of bread the rabbis taught were symbolic of the two tablets upon which the law was written when it was delivered to Moses. And so they would wave these loaves of bread. Every man would wave these loaves of bread and it was commemorating, God, you gave us the law. Now, here's the thing about the law. No one in this room will be able to be right before a holy God and, and be able to be accepted into God's presence by keeping the law perfectly. We can't do it. It's impossible. 613 commandments in the Old Testament. How can we possibly keep all of those rules? So what then is the purpose of the law? Paul wrote to the Romans that the purpose of the law was that it was what brought a knowledge of sin. Paul said, apart from the law, I wouldn't know what sin is. And so the law shines a light into your life. God's word in James says it's like a mirror. When you read God's word, you see your shortcomings. You see your failures. You see those areas that you need to be redeemed in. And so the purpose, the whole purpose of the law that they were celebrating at Pentecost was to remind them that they needed a savior. It was to point them to Jesus. That is why Paul wrote that the law was a tutor to lead us or to guide us to Jesus. It was temporary. And once Jesus came, the law is removed, and now we're in the season of grace. Now we live under his grace that he bestowed upon us at the cross. The law was a tutor. It was a guide to lead us into the presence of Jesus, to protect us until Jesus would come, and then we could enter freely into that grace. Now, here's the thing, a part of that law, a part of the prescriptions of that law was the Feast of Israel. Seven 
major feasts that every Jewish person would celebrate. And every single one of these feasts, I want you to see as we go through these fairly quickly, they all point to Jesus. And so the worship that the Jews had, the the way that they celebrated, their holidays, like we would celebrate Thanksgiving, or we would celebrate the 4th of July, all of their feasts, all of their holidays, centered around the fact that God was trying to point them to Jesus the entire time, saying, you need to be ready. The Messiah is coming, and this is what he will look like. Are you following me? So, first feast, the feast of Passover, that time in which the Jews would come together and they would celebrate their deliverance from bondage and slavery in Egypt. They would slay a lamb, and that lamb would be roasted, and they would eat it with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. And it was a reminder to the Jews that they had been delivered from Egypt and sin by the Passover lamb. When they smeared the blood on the doorposts of their home, that the angel of death passed them over, and they were spared the tenth plague in the land of Egypt. The scripture says that Jesus is our Passover lamb, Paul said. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God's law, even in the feast, was always pointing to Jesus. The second feast, the feast of unleavened bread, the day after Passover, they would come together and they would spend the afternoon ridding their homes of all leaven, ridding their homes of all yeast, because yeast was a symbol of sin in the scripture. And so they would drive out all of the yeast and all of the leaven in their homes. And it was a reminder to them how when they left and they fled Egypt, they had to leave in such haste that the bread didn't have time to rise. And so they eat this unleavened bread. They rid themselves of sin They rid themselves of the old life, the old lump, and they make sure that a new lump is in place, right? Now, here's the thing. Even today, when the Jews celebrate the unleavened bread, they have three pieces of matzah like this. And the matzah is both striped and it is pierced, just like Jesus would have been. Three pieces of matzah that go into a bag. But here's the thing. The first piece goes into the bag. The second piece they break in half. Well, that's not a very good break, but you get the idea. They break the, it in half. They take it, and they wrap the larger of the two pieces in linen cloth, in a linen cloth. And they go and they hide that piece of that matzah so that the children have to find it later on in the evening. And then they have the third piece. And so you have a picture in the matzah, in the celebration of unleavened bread, of the father of the son who was broken, who was bruised, who was beaten for our transgressions. And you have the spirit, all three, father, son, spirit, there at the unleavened bread. One piece is taken, it's broken, it's wrapped in cloth, and it's hidden. Just as Jesus was taken, his body wrapped in linen cloths and deposited in a tomb. Do you see how this is foreshadowing Christ? Right? The third feast is the feast of first fruits. And Jesus, we're told in the scripture by Paul, that he fulfills this feast when he was the first to rise from the dead. So think about this for a moment. First three feasts. Passover, Jesus is slain. Unleavened bread, Jesus is buried on that day. 
first fruits, Jesus is raised. He's fulfilling their feasts. God is saying, be ready for Jesus. The fourth feast is the Feast of Pentecost, which we're studying today. And it took place, like I said, on the 50th day after the Feast of First Fruits. And so they would wave these loaves, they would sacrifice these, these animals, and it was a celebration of the harvest. Now, here's the thing this is what I want you to see. At Pentecost, and this is the season in church age, I think, where we're at right now, is it's all about the harvest. There's a gap between Pentecost, the fourth feast, and the fifth feast, the Feast of Trumpets. There's a gap. This one right here, we're, we're celebrating Pentecost. The next feast won't come until the fall. And that gap, what it symbolizes, is the harvest during the church age. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. And the enemy came at night and sowed bad seed amongst it. And both seeds grew together. And, and so the, the workers of the field said, should we go and, and uproot the tares, the weeds that were sown? And Jesus says, no, you wait. You let both grow together. And at the end of the age, I'll gather my wheat into my barn. And the weeds, the tares will be burned. Jesus, looking at the people flocking to him for attention, flocking to him for their needs, his heart is heavy, his heart is broken, and he says to his disciples, pray for workers in the harvest. We need to harvest these souls. When Jesus had finished meeting with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, the disciples come to him and say, you need to eat something, Rabbi, you must be hungry. And Jesus looks them in the eye and he says, my food my sustenance, my nourishment is to do God's will. And he looks his disciples in the eyes and he says, lift up your eyes. Pay attention to where we're at. Look around you. Can't you see the fields are white and ready to harvest? We need to be entering into that harvest. That's what age we're in today. We all need to be about God's work and about God's business. Jesus fulfills the feast of Pentecost and sending the Spirit. Pastor Walter is going to teach you on that in just a moment. But listen to this. This is amazing. At the end of the harvest, when it's time for the Feast of Trumpets, they would celebrate by blowing these shofars. And the priest in the temple would blow the shofar, signaling and symbolizing to the workers in the field that it's time for you to leave the harvest and come to worship God at the temple. And so this feast is going to be fulfilled at the rapture when that last trumpet of God sounds and people leave the harvest and they come and they dwell in the presence of God. We're taken up into the rapture with Jesus for all of eternity. Praise God for that, right? Two more feasts, and I'll just mention them in passing. You've got the Day of Atonement, and that's going to be fulfilled during the tribulation period. And finally, you have the Feast of Tabernacles where where people would gather together and, and they would celebrate in these little tents in Jerusalem. And this is foreshadowing the time when we dwell with Jesus in heaven forever in the place, the room that he built for us. All of the law pointing to Jesus. They would commemorate the law. They would dedicate their harvest. And finally, they would anticipate the Redeemer. The Redeemer is anticipated. Now listen to this. Every season of Pentecost. The Jews gather together and they read the book of Ruth. 
Now, the book of Ruth is an amazing love story. I want you to go home and read it. You can read it in probably less than 10 minutes. But in this book, the book of Ruth, we see a woman who is widowed, and she has no way to provide for herself. And so she goes back to Israel with her mother-in-law, and this woman, Ruth, she's out gleaning in the fields, and she's basically foraging and begging for sustenance. And a man by the name of Boaz sees her working there and says, I don't want you to glean from any other fields. I'll provide for your needs. You come back here tomorrow, and I'll make sure my workers drop some extra grain for you. In her excitement, she goes home, and she tells this story to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And Naomi says, do you understand what this means? That man, Boaz, is a relative of mine. He can redeem us. He's the one who can provide for our needs. And so Naomi tells Ruth, this is what you do. Wash yourself, bathe yourself, anoint yourself with oil, clothe yourself in your richest garments, and you go back to that man, and you offer yourself to that man as a prospective bride. And so Ruth comes back, and the scripture says she uncovers the feet of Boaz. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of submission. He's asleep. She uncovers his feet, surrendering, submitting. He turns over, who are you? Why are you here? And she asks this question, will you please be the one to cover me? Literally what she's asking is, will you please marry me? Will you take me under your wing? Will you clothe me? Will you robe me? Will you make sure that my needs are met? And so she's asking, she's in a way proposing to Boaz. And to make a long story short, they end up getting married and, and Ruth's life is blessed. Read it tonight. But this is what I want you to see from this. And this is what I want you to understand. Is before Jesus ascended to the Father, he looked at his disciples and he says, I want you to wait. I want you to be ready until you are endued from power from upon high. He's talking about sending the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait until you are endued from the power which is on high. That word endued in the Greek literally means to be clothed or to be robed or to be covered and to come under the wing of. Literally, what Jesus is doing at Pentecost is he's fulfilling the picture of Ruth when Ruth would beg, please be the one to protect me. Please be the one to robe me. Please be the one to clothe me. At Pentecost, Jesus is saying, you wait, because that's when it will happen. That's when I will clothe you. That's when I will cover you. That's when I will protect you. And Jesus sends the Spirit to do just that. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That word upon is so descript in the Greek. And right now where each of you sit, if you are in Christ, you have God's Spirit living and dwelling inside you. But do you have God's Spirit resting upon you? Because that was Jesus' intention. He wants to cover you with the robe. He wants to cover you with his clothing. He wants to enfold you and enwrap you and bring you under his wing with the Spirit. Not just to have the Spirit dwelling in you, but to have the Spirit upon you. To have the Spirit dwelling all over you. So that you can't tell where you begin and the Spirit ends. That's the way I want God's Spirit in my life. And that's the way Jesus intended for you to enjoy the Spirit. 
that you would, in Pentecost, just as the Jews would do, that you would bring the harvest and you would dedicate it to God. That you would remember the law that it has always pointed to Jesus and commemorate the law. And finally, that you would anticipate your Redeemer, the one who would come and would take you as his own. Here's what I want you to see. Ruth was begging of Boaz, please make me your wife. At Pentecost, Jesus says, I'm taking you as my bride. I'm taking you under my care. I'm proposing to you. You don't propose to him. He's proposing to you. And the question is whether or not you want to receive that spirit the way Jesus wants to pour it out. Amen. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.